0: Hey there, welcome back to the Havilah Podcast. This show is where we dive deep into faith, personal growth, and all things real life with a knowing that God has called us, He speaks to us, and He sees us. Uh, I'm your host, Havilah, and boy do I have this huge announcement for you today. Okay, that's right, all of my um, exceptional podcast listeners, yes, that's you, get ready to jump for joy because i I am thrilled to announce the release of my brand new book, Created to Hear God. That's right. Brand new book, Created to Hear God, for unique and proven ways to confidently discern God's voice. This book is a culmination of my personal journey and the wisdom I've gained when it comes to hearing God speak directly to my heart and to others. You can find Created to Hear God anywhere the books are sold, and I promise this is a game changer. It offers practical and actionable strategies to confidently navigate those precious moments where you yearn to discern God's voice amidst the chaos and the confusion of life. But that's not all. Today's episode is extra special because I'll be sharing something I have never done before. We're taking it up a notch, yep, drum roll please, <laughs> please. I will be reading the very first chapter of Created Here God to you here on this podcast. Yep, that's right, my friends. For the first time ever, I'm recording my own audiobook. so you get to experience my voice, my passion, and my message in a whole new way. Listen, I hope you're as excited as I am because this is going to be an unforgettable journey as we dive into the first chapter together. Are you ready to embark on this adventure? Because I know I am. So grab your favorite beverage, find a cozy spot, and let's get started. Get ready to be inspired, enlightened, hopefully, and empowered as we dive into the captivating world of Created to Hear God. This is the Havla podcast, and this is the beginning of something truly extraordinary. But before we dive into the first chapter, I want to remind you that you are capable of incredible things. You have a purpose, and your ability to discern God's voice is pivotal to unlocking that purpose. So prepare yourself for a mind-opening, hopefully heart-opening, spirit-opening experience, because today we're stepping into the world of divine guidance. It's so cool. So are you ready? I thought you might be. So let's turn the page, and let's let the adventure begin in my first chapter of Created to Hear God. Chapter one, why can't I hear God? When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I will make sure you won't be disappointed. Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14. When my twin sister and I were kids, our dad burst in the room one day, a glimmer of enthusiasm in his eyes. Girls, listen up. God spoke to me. He told me about this guy named Paul who's sitting on a porch in a blue shirt. We're going to go on an adventure to find him. Full of excitement, Deborah and I hopped into the car. We were going on a treasure hunt for a man wearing a blue shirt. Dad drove around while Deborah and I scanned both sides of the street, noses to the windows, looking for this Paul. I don't remember who first spotted the man sitting on a porch, but it wasn't too long before Dad pulled the car to the curb. Sure enough, the guy was wearing a blue shirt. Dad climbed out of the car and asked him, Is your name Paul? A hint of weariness appeared on Paul's eyes as he cautiously replied, Yeah, that's me. He stood up to greet us, and without missing a beat, Dad dove right in. You might find this surprising, but I'm a Christian, and I have conversations with God. And, well, God spoke to me about you. He revealed your name, and he said, I would find you sitting on a porch wearing blue. God brought me here, Paul, because I believe God wants to intervene in your life. The man was so shocked, he couldn't speak at first. Then, overwhelmed with emotion, Paul began to weep. Trying to get the words out, he admitted he was not a praying man, but he was in a desperate need of help. That self-confessed, non-praying man had said a prayer that day. Not for a second, anticipating that God would answer his prayer by sending my dad to help him. At this point, both men started crying. My dad asked if he could talk with Paul about God, and the man agreed. As my sister and I looked on, dad told him the gospel story. Just like God sent me today to find you, dad said. God sent his son on a mission to earth to seek and save all those who are lost. I'll never forget that moment right there on the porch. Paul joined my dad in a heartfelt prayer, surrendering his life to Jesus. That was the environment I grew up in, a place filled with divine encounters. My dad had a prophetic gift and an uncanny ability to discern God's voice, not only for himself, but for others as well. It was through him that I first grasped the concept of hearing from God. It sounds exciting, but it was also intimidating. People who knew my father would often say to me, Oh, you must hear God too. Are are you prophetic? They meant it kindly, but honestly, it was really discouraging because all I knew for sure was that I was the girl who couldn't hear God's voice. It wasn't that I couldn't hear any voices. In fact, I'm pretty sure I was always hearing at least three. My voice, enemy's voice, and the voice of God. The problem was I couldn't figure out which one was which. Who was doing the talking? And that's a pretty big problem. If I asked God a question and an answer came to mind, it would only spark more questions. I'd think, Wait, is that God talking to me? Then I should probably listen. But what if it's the devil and he's trying to tip me? I should ignore him, right? Or even worse, what if all the chatter is my own self-talk and the truth is that I just need a good night's sleep or maybe therapy? Maybe it wouldn't have been so hard if I wasn't constantly surrounded by people who talked a lot about God speaking to them. Each story would send me on a journey, and I'd do whatever I could to find the voice of God for myself. I'd zealously buy the book, attend the conference, read the scriptures, join the prayer line, fast for 40 days, and lead a prayer meeting. I was the desperate girl wearing the take my money t-shirt, and anyone who had anything remotely promising to sell me could have it. I was constantly trying to get my God channel turned on, but the cable guy never arrived. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was wrong with me. Why on earth couldn't I hear God clearly? Was he unhappy with my choices? Had I done something to upset him? I knew I wasn't disqualified from sharing my faith with others and living a life guided by my love for God. But was I willing to accept that I might never hear his voice? Was it okay for me to spend yet another year wandering from one conference to another, reading book after book, trying to live my best life without really knowing if it was the life I was meant to live? Eventually defeated, having tried everything I knew to do, I told myself, Havala, your faith in God is enough. You don't need to hear his voice. And that worked for a while, until it didn't. Inevitably, believers I admired, friends, teachers, leaders, influencers, authors, movers and shakers, my heroes in the faith, would make some kind of declaration about having heard from God. And over and over, I heard phrases like, and that's when God spoke to me. That was the moment God told me blank. God said, I was going to marry that person. I saw myself running that business and knew the vision was from God. The most influential people in my world were hearing God speak to them. And what they heard was changing the trajectory of their lives. It was an undeniable truth. They were guided by divine wisdom while I felt completely disconnected, spiraling into a pit of spiritual turmoil. The combination of my spiritual anxiety and the cliche phrases like carpe diem, or you only have one life, so make it count, created a tumultuous internal storm. I felt like raising my hand and saying, "Um, excuse me, may I ask you a question? Would you please shut up? You are giving me more anxiety. So what makes hearing God so hard? I don't know one human who hasn't woke up in a cold sweat over important decisions that have to be made. How do I know if I should marry that specific person? Should I take that job opportunity? Is it time to move? What about the kids? Is it time to leave or stay, invest or save? What's the best way to handle this relationship problem I'm having? And that's just on a Monday. Then after we make a choice, we move to obsessing if it's the right choice. We're in limbo. We feel as if we're in our own little mental purgatory, somewhere between I have a critical question, I need answered and whew, I made it to my therapist's office. It's overwhelming. We run a church or better yet, we catch an online service, hoping a worship leader or the pastor on the stage will say something to give us that much needed answer or at least something to ease the nagging anxiety that we're messing up everything. Maybe we'll find the missing corner piece to our life puzzle. Someone might hand us an answer we desperately need. It isn't often that going to church stops the questions from bouncing around in our heads. How do I know if it's God speaking to me? What if it's the devil tormenting me? What if I'm getting in my own way by just thinking what I want to hear? And then slapping a god sticker on it we buy the journals labeled goal chasers and dream bigger we repost meaningful quotes to exude a sense of confidence that uncertainty is normal we mimic others who seem to know what god is saying people who look like they have it all together we buy the books attend the retreats read the bible and consume a ton of information but never find the core confidence that we can and do hear God. With all the available help, why aren't we more certain about our sense of things? A lack of devotion to God usually is not the problem. At the time of my own crisis, I was wholly committed to God. There was not a problem of spiritual apathy. What fascinates me when I look back on this thread in my life, is that my commitment began with the surreal confidence that I had heard the voice of God. When I was 17 years old, I had this life-altering moment. The night started like any other night. Some guys had picked up my sister and me, and we were headed to a party. But in the darkness of that car, in the nauseating normal, something life-changing happened. I sensed something shifting in the car. I now know it was the Holy Spirit. I began to hear God speaking to me in my heart. He said, Kavala, what are you doing? I've called you to more than living for the weekend. You cannot live like this anymore. You have a destiny and a calling. You've got to be courageous, fight for your life, and get out of here. He had my full attention. As my mind began to race, time seemed to stand still, and as my heart beat wildly, I felt I couldn't be silent any longer. I asked the guys to turn the music down so I could speak. I blurted out, I have a call of God on my life. I wish I could convey how utterly awkward this moment was. There was no piano player or pastor in the background, no one nodding in affirmation as I made this proclamation, quite the opposite. An uncomfortable silence filled the car and the dark silhouettes of the two guys in the front seat didn't move. Nothing about it felt spiritual. And yet I was confident God had spoken to me. Spoiler alert, I didn't go to the party, and I've been serving God ever since. And even though that encounter with God profoundly changed my life, it didn't spare me from confusion about what it meant to hear from God. How could that young woman also be the one who couldn't distinguish God's voice from racing thoughts or a bad night's sleep? From that day on, I jumped into the deep end of my faith, staying busy with church by volunteering, serving, and learning. I was doing my best to grow and develop my life. But when the noise of each day faded, I was left alone with my thoughts. A deep longing settled into my soul. I knew there must be a way to access more of God. If he could tap me on the shoulder and say, follow me, then surely I could ask him for guidance, right? Couldn't I also tap him on the shoulder and ask him anything at any time? and expect to get an answer? There had to be a way to stay in that miraculous secret space where I had heard God. Even if we're 100% certain we've all heard God speak to us at some point in our lives, our lack of confidence is a common problem. Why? We all have our theories. For years, I thought my learning disabilities were to blame. In third grade, I was diagnosed with dyslexia with reading and comprehension issues. Dyslexia is a neurological condition that makes it hard to process written words, and I figured my issues might extend to understanding spoken words as well. I also got a diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, known as ADHD, which can make it hard to focus for any length of time. Maybe I simply couldn't pay attention when God was talking to me, my sunny personality and sociability covered up this deep, dark fear. When I was 15, my sister and I joined a six week summer program with a nonprofit called Youth with a Mission. The trip included learning presentations to perform up and down the Midwest states. Each morning after breakfast and before rehearsal, the staff sent all 50 of us kids off to our own private corner for a quiet time. Simply put, We would take personal time to invite God to speak to us. Bibles encouraged, journals required. And I hated it. I'd wander someplace no one had discovered only to sit there killing time for an hour. I didn't know how to hear God speak to me, so I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I had a deep ache for connection with him. I had plenty of nagging, life-impacting questions. Not the least of which was, what did you create me to do, God? But day after day, I heard nothing but silence. I tried to read. I overshared in prayer and eventually wrote something down. Now, two decades later, I picked up that journal from that summer. The first thing I read on the front page was, God, if you're here, why can't I hear you? Page two, God, what are you saying to me? Another page? Where are you? A few more pages had similar phrases, and the rest of the journal was blank. As an adult with 20 years of wisdom under my belt, I held that journal in my hand and felt empathy for my younger self. I was able to see the truth for the first time. My struggle wasn't about learning issues, it wasn't about my ADHD or that I didn't have an iPhone back then to read the Bible aloud to me. I wasn't lacking a spiritual mindset or a pure heart. God wasn't waiting for me to get it together so I could somehow be holy enough to hear him. Are you ready for this? Not hearing God speak to me was a universal problem I had tragically interpreted as a personal problem. I wasn't alone in my struggle. Here's why. Reason number one, we think there's only one way to Listen. Most of us are taught that hearing God's voice just happens. Listen hard enough and you will hear. God will come to you. We learn this from our parents or our pastors, small group leaders, spiritual mentors, and the church at large. You'll know God's voice when you hear it, we're told. All you need to do is ask and ask and then ask again. And you know, until your supernatural radio station comes in clearly, Add it to your list of save stations, and voila, you now hear God. After all this, if you muster up the courage to admit you still can't hear God, that's when people in the know will go to the default answer. Just read your Bible. That's how God speaks to you. Of course, the Bible is God's word, and his printed words speak to us and help us. But deep down, we know it's not enough to read the messages someone sends us. When what we really want is to spend time in the same room with them. Knowing someone loves you is not the same as experiencing their love firsthand. I too was taught all these things. It's nobody's fault. After all, that's exactly how it works for some people. Read more, pray more, listen harder, listen better. Makes perfect sense if it aligns with the way you were made. If not, well, you're out of luck. Maybe you're naturally curious and willing to ask others when or how they hear God. This can be helpful unless the story of their hearing is all about a lightning bolt from heaven moment confirming you're still basically in the dark, waiting to be struck yourself. If you're part of the failed results group, you might find yourself stuck in years of painful, pleading prayers, discouragement. And deep soul fatigue called hopelessness. you might give up. You might park yourself in the shadow of a spiritual person who hears God for you or worse, you might resign yourself to faking it. I was usually in the fake it till you make it camp, which seemed pretty lonely even though I wasn't the only one there. In this lonely space it's easy for us to latch onto that false belief that everyone but you can hear God. Everyone, But you knows the secret handshake. Here we draw dangerous conclusions. God is exclusive. He has favorites. There are only so many seats at the table and they have all been taken. There is no space for you. Tragically, this is where most of us disengage, but I want to applaud you for being here right now, reading this book. That means you haven't disengaged yet, and I'm thrilled about it. In the second and third sections of this book, we're going to get to all the ways in which God speaks to and through each of his children, including you. You're too spiritual. Yes, that's what I said. Your idyllic concept of spirituality as something separate from your day-to-day life is keeping you from hearing your spiritual God in your day-to-day life. Let me explain by asking you a question. What is spiritual? Hmm, let's see. Things like going to church, praying, giving to the poor, helping the needy, worshiping, fasting, serving others. Anything that involves an experience of God in a situation where we expect God to show up. Okay, next question. What is unspiritual or secular. You might list things like, well, going to work, shopping for groceries, taking care of the kids, weeding the yard, taking vacations, ordinary day-to-day events that don't involve an experience of God. But do you honestly believe that God can't or won't be involved in the most mundane aspects of your life? Oddly, the ideology that some things are spiritual and other things are secular is everywhere in the church, but hard to find in the Bible. Pastor John Mark Comer writes, look up the word spiritual in Genesis to Malachi, the Bible used by Jesus. It's not there. Why? Because in the Hebrew worldview, all of life is spiritual. Even when you get to the old Testament, the word spiritual is really only used by Paul. In his writings, it means animated by the Holy Spirit. And for Paul, every facet of our lives should be spiritual. I think if you had asked Jesus about his spiritual life, he would have looked at you very confused. My guess is that he would have asked, what do you mean by my spiritual life? All of my life is spiritual. Jesus didn't buy into the sacred secular thinking. To him, life is a seamless, integrated, holistic experience where the sacred is all around us. And because everything is spiritual, everything matters to God. Even so, some of us can't avoid that some things just feel more spiritual and other things feel more secular. This is important because too many of us think that people who hear God are super spiritual. And to hear God, we must become more spiritual. This isn't true. Spiritual isn't something that you have to become. It's something that you already are in Christ. Just because someone has a certain kind of spiritual gift, say prophecy, doesn't mean your gifts, your abilities to hear God, or anything you bring to the table, aren't also profoundly spiritual in their own way. We do it, my friends, not just as a mere habit, but as a powerful tool to step fully into our identity in Christ. You see, it's not just about us. It's about blessing God and the people he places in our path. And here's the beautiful thing. We can do this in the most ordinary of situations. It's amazing how often we stand in our own way when it comes to thinking we can't hear God. We all do it. Nothing to feel bad about. But another thing that stands between us and God is simple ignorance. No one has ever explained why hearing God is important in the first place. In the next chapter, I'm going to do just that. Wow, there it is. My first audiobook chapter in my own voice Gosh, thank you for tuning in to my podcast today. And I cannot wait, honestly, I can't wait to explore the depths of created to hear God's voice with you in the next couple of weeks and the months ahead. So I want to remind you that your voice matters, your purpose awaits. And together we're about to embark on an extraordinary adventure because once we know God is speaking to us and we begin to hear his voice and we begin to do what he's telling us to do. We live the abundant life. I also want you to know that the book is available. It's on Kindle, it's on Audible, and it's even hardback. I've never had a hardback book. I'm so excited. It's available right now. So don't forget to go out and grab it. You've got time before Christmas to get it for yourself or for someone that you love. Hey, stay tuned for upcoming episodes filled with more powerful insights about hearing God's voice because we believe everyone deserves to hear God's voice. Everyone does. So until then, keep persevering, keep believing, and keep listening. And I'll catch you in the next episode of the Havila Podcast.